Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bowman, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to the School of Humanity. This is Jason and Rachel Bowman, and we have special guests Joanna and Thomas again. Hello. It's good to be back. This is episode 25. This is episode 25, and we are talking about masculinity, femininity, and man as the image and likeness of God always, because that's the school of humanity. Um, So to draw us back, last week we were speaking about, or even before last week, we had tried to draw out the notion, right, that um, man and woman are in the image and likeness of God, and in particular, their roles towards each other are an expression of the Trinity and how the Father and the Son pour themselves out uh, to one another completely. Um, And the word we use is altruism, right? This complete self-emptying one for the sake of the other. And uh, so the Father initiating that love and the Son receiving it um what, what's the word that you use thomas uh i we use the word entrust entrust yeah the, the son entrusts himself to the father, to the father entirely in response, yeah mm-hmm. and we see that throughout christ's life uh even where he says you know my my food or my meat is to do the the will of the father um, mm-hmm. and and w- since we know god is all good he is all loving and uh, has created us to know him and to love him, and tells us in Genesis that we're the image and likeness of God. Therefore, how male and female um, relate to one another is in this same sort of relationship. And uh, so last week we started talking about Ephesians 5 to sort of draw out that maybe and extrapolate the fullness of that, and Thomas uh, so adequately. Well, thank you. Uh, read read that for us, and we wanted to, f- you know, at the same time we're we're speaking about uh, you know things positively and negative and the negative like the false notions of what masculinity and femininity are, the relationship between man and woman in a false sense, and how. Many times when we hear Ephesians 5 and women being submiss- submissive to the man, uh, we have this uh, false notion of um, what the Scripture's trying to tell us, right? And Right. We, and we talked about power and dominance, you know, what, right. what, how right. we define power today, but what truly, you know, what power truly is. And we view power today as this dominance, but how when we should view it more rightly, it's not quite that at all. Right. And we talked about the fact that um, Christ himself was per- perfectly submissive to the Father. And so, you know, since he is the perfect example of humanity, um, we have to look to him to see all things. And if, you know, in his example, he shows us that true power and true glory is perfect submission Mm-hmm. to the will of the Lord, and perfect freedom, right? Because 
freedom is not the ability to choose between good and evil. It's the ability to choose the good always and mm -hmm. all the time. Um, we see that in relation, you know, if we are to live out our masculinity and femininity perfectly and with perfect freedom, then it would be always to choose the good, which is, you know, to pour ourselves out to one another um, perfectly. Um, yeah, so anytime you have something inhibiting you from doing good or you're compelled to do something that isn't good, that's really a reduction in freedom. So you, we, you know, the world may present you with this choice of um, anything, in, especially like addictions. You know, you lose a lot of freedom in that. You become a slave to addiction, and and that's the opposite of freedom. So, you know, the church prevents me from drinking alcohol in, in excess. Well, when, by you know using alcohol in a responsible manner, you're actually more free right. than if you were going out and getting drunk right because when you do that you're not you know you have this compulsion towards sin and that's sin ultimately is you know some form of slavery right right so it's not freedom at all you know what i like uh and on this topic i know this is kind of a side note this whole talk on freedom we actually always stay on task so if you could stay on task <laughs> that would, that are, you, are you censoring me <laughs> um no, but I I think a beautiful analogy of this is um, uh, musicians. Uh, in order to play an instrument well, let's take a violin, you have to learn the rules, right? You have to learn music. You have to learn how to position your hand and what notes to play. So if you rebel against that, does that make you more free? No. Right? right. In order to have freedom as a musician and be able to play, let's say, with another person uh, just real freely, if someone's playing, you know, if you're jamming, if you know all the notes in, in a certain scale, whether you can be free to, to play that instrument, you know, and use different inflections and, and that kind of thing. So, so this is a perfect example in my mind, like, of how, you know, um, freedom really is the ability to to do the right thing all the time and then you can you you put your own spin as an individual on that uh goodness you know what i mean mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up and i'm glad we're off topic because <laughs> joanna and i have talked a lot and, and joanna loves modern art i love modern art guys yeah. i do i can't help it and I hate modern art. <laughs> I know you do. It's okay. And I think, f by and large, my my only my personal opinion is that modern artists and the postmodern movement is is really a bunch of trolls, just trolling. <laughs> and just just to we just lost half our listeners. Thanks a lot, Thomas. Just to tease <laughs> Joanna, I'm I, the only one who likes modern art, guys. Everyone else is confused, so it's okay. <laughs> just to tease Joanna, I came up with this idea for a symphony where the entire symphony has sheet music in front of them, but they just completely ignore it, and they just play whatever they want in this random, uh, unorganized, chaotic pattern. Um, and I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> because she loves modern art, but I thought it was just ridiculous, and no, I just wanted to drive a point home. That's the point, though, because we need the sheet music, right? Like, we need the sheet music. Right. So that whole thing is, is an emphasis on, like, their... Do need to be rules and music. 
So mm-hmm. it's actually playing at the fact that we need rules and music. So it's not just we're doing this just because it sounds weird, but because of the structure behind it. In fact, and I'm going to wrap this all into our topic tonight <laughs> because I'm a teacher, so I have to do that. Uh, Pablo, very good at that. <laughs> Pablo Picasso, he studied art for years and years and years, and he mastered all of the different forms of art before he started cubism. And it was only once he learned all the rules that he was able to play with them and have freedom in using them or not using them, which is why he's brilliant and he's a master. Um, So I think that there's a level of truth in that that a lot of people don't understand about modern art, which also brings us to our topic. How can us as men and women, how do we feel constrained or not constrained in our life? Like what kind of pitfalls or traps do we kind of go into when we're trying to like stay stay away from these rules right that the church has given us um how would that play into me as a woman you guys as men you know well i think you know just you i mean what we see in our society um women trying to be more themselves by not being a woman, you yeah. know, and trying to be, in, in a sense, being more man-like or vice versa with with a man. And we've talked, we talked about it, I think, last time, how this is the same, this fits along with the analogy of, like, trying to not, uh, to play music haphazardly, you know, mm-hmm. to not abide by any rules when you're playing the instrument, you know, you end up with chaos and nonsense. Um, and, in this case, you know, you, you end up unhappy when you try to escape reality um, and positing your own sort of rules, if you will, or your own um, ideas rather than um, that sort of submissio of, mm-hmm. you know, submission to, to who you've been created to be. Um, I think a lot of it, we need to be very mindful. Um, Whenever there are rules, there is a rule giver. And we have to be very mindful and um, try to understand rules and why they're there. An example I like to think of, and and I'm a very tactile, tactile, concrete kind of guy. That's your grandpa. (laughs) I love cars. Um, Cars are something I would work on with my dad and... uh, I've read a fair share of owner's manuals of cars, and there always have restrictions on what type of oil you can put in the car or what kind of gas or what fluids go where. And uh, the manufacturers who design the cars and manufacture the cars are very specific, and they give very precise specifications on what to do and when to do it. And they don't give you these rules to inhibit you or to restrict your freedom. They actually give you these rules so that you can make the best use of what you have been given, which is this vehicle. So if you buy a car and you uh, do not listen to the manufacturer's instructions and you never change the oil, your engine is going to cease. It's going to seize up because it was not designed to function that way. Your car will explode. I know someone that that All happened to them. All of our listeners just said, oh, I got to get my oil changed. <laughs> Go change your oil. It doesn't necessarily have to be every 3,000 miles anymore because modern cars are a They're lot better. Fantastic. And yeah. the oil uh, is, is uh, more precisely... That's a little fun fact. 
Yeah, fun, fun, fun <laughs> fact there. Um, but just like a, just like taking care of a car, we need to understand the rule giver and the rules that we have governing ourselves. And that's, uh, I think, an applicable lesson for us as humans. Absolutely. Is that what you're trying to get at, Joanna? Well, uh, maybe I've sidetracked us there, but well, what I was thinking, um, and that really goes along with it but if men okay so let's go back to adam and eve and genesis and these forms of like punishments and quotes for what happened right for the transgression so men are called to work and women they are it's kind of like this um i'm trying to think of the word this grasping at relationships really that's women's burden right um and when we try to steer clear of that or run away from this and run away from who we are as men and women, then we get caught up in those things particularly. Right, um, right. And that really does mess with our perception of ourselves. So oftentimes you'll see women who, and this is like just in general, but I know everyone has met women like that who are very needy and very clingy and are always afraid and why are you leaving? Like, I need to know. So there's this sense of clinging because you're not free mm-hmm. in who you are or in accepting love. And then for men, there's that, I have to do this work. I have to, there's this obsession with work or obsession with something else. And again, it's still the same clinging or this this trying to grasp at power when we don't know who we are and we don't know how God loves us and why he's given us these rules, then it's very common for these things to happen. So it's a good point of focus to think for me as a woman, like how am I treating my relationships with my friends and with my family and with the people around me? Because then I can see really how I am with God or how I am with myself. Right. So these, these things are good you know, um, they're a perversion of the good things that may be particular to um, Mm -hmm. a masculine or a a male or a female. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the case of woman, you know, he says uh, that you'll desire Mm -hmm. your husband and he will lord over Over you, you. sort of say. So it's a receptivity. The good what's been perverted that's good innate in woman is this desire is this recept natural receptivity that mm-hmm. goes along with with femininity um but it's been perverted in the sense of instead of truly being receptive you now are like grasping at yeah right mm-hmm. um and you're desiring uh, like control over your relationship right it's this right. taking it's a taking instead of a receiving, receiving. yeah, yeah. Um, and the male, I guess in that role, um, dominating is a perversion of his vocation as man towards, towards woman, um, kind of becomes like a form of exploitation. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's more than just towards women, which that's actually a lot of the, um, problems with and quote patriarchy and feminism in our society but towards like anything right so the exploitation of relationships and of work and the exploitation of the environment and so on and so forth like you can see throughout history where this natural twisting of what's good in man ends up hurting society yes yes (laughs) sorry (laughs) totally agree 
What um so do you see you see that in your own lives, I guess? Like just a grasping at work and a grasping at relationships. Yeah, I'm trying to to um, you know, work it out in my mind. I, I, I think I'm like kind of a visual learner sometimes because I I mean I have this vision of of man as having been entrusted with um particular gifts um where he is enabled to in a very masculine way sacrifice himself for the sake of his bride you know and like that's just such a beautiful image um and in particular you know in in the sense of work you know which i don't think there's a coincidence there that um work is brought up um as part of the repercussions for uh, original sin was um, instead of work being uh, what it should be, um, it has now become like a labor, like, uh, you know, um, something that men dread and try to avoid. Um, right. So it's not as fruitful, yeah. I think, as it was originally intended now. Right. Well, it's working in vain. What I am seeing is if there is a man who sacrifices everything but to nothing and to no one. Right. Like what what is that? Or for his own gain even. Yeah, right. That's a complete it's it's a one eighty of how it's supposed to be. Right. Men are sacrificial and beautifully so for the goodness of others. Right. Yeah, and in particular with that um sacrificial um, aspect of masculinity, it, you know, protection kind of goes along with that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, like man was entrusted with the land to till it and protect it and the animals as well. Um, so it's, it's again, I think that maybe what it is, is we talk about power, you know, in a sense, he's been giving a, a power, but again, Christ shows us that real power what what you do with that responsibility is you sacrifice yourself for it rather than mm-hmm. use it for your own you know uh selfish gain which really isn't gain at all you know but ends up in slavery um so i think kind of this it's this uh humility versus pride kind of that you you have, have you have these gifts given to you and do you use those for yourself or do you you uh, you know, act in humility and make a gift of those uh, to to someone else. Right. Kind of passing that on. Right. With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> right. That's what Uncle Ben said, and he makes some great rice. <laughs> I had to have that talk with Gabriel the other day, and I used that quote. So Uncle Ben, you know. About yeah. him making great rice? Well, no, the other part. The responsibility oh, oh, part. Oh, okay. Yes. We haven't gotten to the rice part. I Got feel it. like we're working our way up there. But it's true. The rice. Yes, the rice. Okay. Gosh, Alabamians, man. <laughs> <laughs> the masculine trait of being a self-gift is reflective of God. Because God, who is all love is all giving at all times to us and to the church. Um, So I find that so beautiful that just as God does everything for us, that beautiful trait 
he gave to man and mankind and to masculinity. Um, anyone? Right. So then what's the, the woman's role or the feminine response then? Uh, well, both men and women are called to be right. fully gifts of themselves, but in in opposite directions. People can't see me like at home by making a circle. <laughs> um, <laughs> so as a man pours out himself completely in sacrifice for his beloved, then the woman receives and entrusts, entrusts herself to the masculine. And that's actually like a law of the spiritual nature of masculinity and femininity and it's seen in the church and how Christ interacts with the church. Right. And that's kind of what Paul, St. Paul was getting at. It's almost like, uh, each family or each, uh, the spouse, uh, husband and wives, uh, are like a microcosm of Christ in the church, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and they live out that beautiful reality in that particular vocation. Um, you know, in their day-to-day lives, which is why, I mean, we think, I mean, why I think marriage is so beautiful. Um, right. Because we, we get to live out that reality of me being an icon of Christ the head in our relationship and you being an icon of the church um, <laughs> in response. <laughs> To, That's why uh, no one knows what nationality I am. It's because I'm trying to be an icon of the church. You truly are universal. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, Thomas. Um, the You're all things to all people, Rachel. <laughs> wow. Well, um, people see in you what they want to see. There are not one hundred... There are not... There are, was it, that was a Fulton J. Sheen quote that I just started there and I, I butchered it. <laughs> There are not 100 people who hate the church, but there are millions who hate what they perceive to be the church. Remember that. Does that mean Rachel is hated by millions of people? No, it's not Rachel that's hated. It's what people wrongly perceive to be Rachel is hated. Right. But there are not 100 people who hate Rachel. Oh, wow. I don't, I don't know what, I, what I'm supposed to say right now. But we were talking about earlier, which we like had a pre-talk before we started recording, and I think that... Uh, so we, I wish we would have recorded our pre-talk. Yeah, right. that's really good. <laughs> yeah, we should but learn from our mistakes. Exactly. But no, we um, you had mentioned something about how Mary was represented so many vocations. Did you know? Right. Um, so I mean, Mary's the perfect example of femininity. I mean, it doesn't yep. get any better. Um, just as Christ is the perfect example of masculinity, um, and since. Uh, in their role, Mary is the first Christian. She is the she was preserved from sin to be to represent the church at the foot of the cross to give that perfect assent, that perfect yes to Christ's uh, mission, um, that loving relationship. So, as the church, Mary stood there at the foot of the cross, perfectly okay. uh, submissive and. When you look at her and you think about the different vocations um, that are out there, priesthood and uh, fatherhood, motherhood, you know, spousal, um, consecrated, um, virgin, you know, virgins, um, Mary, Mary was all those things except for, of course, priesthood, but she, all, all those various vocations that you find 
um, and the receptive nature of the church and her relationship to Christ, she embodies all those. She was virgin. She was consecrated religious. Uh, she was mother. She was spouse, um, her bride. Um, right. Um, so she is our model uh, of our relationship as church to Christ. And those different vocations are our particular ways that God's given us in reality, uh, in, in the reality that's given to us to live out that call to holiness, that relationship to Christ as spouse. Um, now, the receptivity of a man and a woman, does that make their activity <clears throat> different? So as church, how does man respond to as... Um, in to receptivity the of, I mean, as and not as church, but I guess as the individuals of the church. So men and women are. The, is, does the activity from the re- receptivity look different? Right. I would say yes. I don't know. I, think I mean, so. we haven't fleshed this out big time, you know, yet in mm-hmm. in the school. Um, but I would say um, certainly we are all called to be um, to surrender. You know, um, we talked about, I thought it was a really good analogy. Actually, I, I, I stole this from Bishop Barron. Um, when he talked he could about... He be on the podcast, though, if he wants to come be amazing. and like defend I mean, himself. He's so not a big incredible. enough name to be on this podcast yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. He wishes. No. Um, but... Um, it was he was defending or he was talking about atheism and, and our our trying to um, empirically prove God and he talks about how faith is not um, it's it's not uh, below rationale it's super rational and um, how we we find evidence of this coming to know things that sort of um, supersede rationale when we fall in love and he he loves to use that because when we use that term fall in love because we literally it's literally a surrender and he and he goes on to say how those are the sweetest moments in our life is is more of a surrender rather than a um something that we uh you know rationalize out um and so um so, I mean, we are all called to sort of fall in love or surrender to God in that way. And the spiritual life, you could almost sum up as a um, more and more entrusting yourself, which is more feminine, uh, in a sense, um, uh, to the Lord. How is that different between masculine and feminine? I don't know. You guys help me out, you know. I think maybe... What I will say, um, I'm just going to keep talking until someone else intervenes with something better. But um, I think it's no mistake that um, Mary, and that as a woman, you know, was chosen as sort of like the pinnacle of creation. You know, she's perfectly receptive. Um, and woman, when we see that in the in the garden, you know, she's the the last to be created created and you can see an echelon there in creation where it kind of goes from things that are um, baser yeah more base to to more intricate and beautiful and woman is the pinnacle Mm -hmm. um she's sort of the diadem of creation she is the new eve 
Right. She's a new Eve. So Eve at at that time was the pinnacle of creation, and now right. really it's Mary. Right. Because she lived out that femininity, um, mm-hmm. you know, the way uh, it's intended. Um, so sainthood as a woman is more naturally receptive um, in that way. And you know, I actually will agree with you because there are so many young <laughs> saints who are female. Like, it's actually kind of extraordinary. And there are saints in every age across time. But there's something very particular about young female saints and how right. they're so open and so receptive to God's grace in a way that it's it's different from, like, the St. Jerome's and the St. Augustine's and the St. Francis's and, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And they're still just as holy. Right. But it's something to do with right. the differences in masculinity and femininity that that bring about that change. Right. And we were talking before the podcast, too, about how um, the different, um, you know, mascul- masculine and feminine are two different, um, I guess I'll say, modes of of being Imago Dei, of being the image and yeah. likeness of God. So they in particular express something about God himself mm-hmm. and about all of reality. And, you know, feminine, we talk about feminine genius. Um, and so there are particular things, fruits of um, femininity um, that's lived out um, properly that are that are only seen in um, in a woman um, as opposed to man, and uh, I th- I want to talk about that specific incidents in in Wonder Woman, <laughs> um, where well we, we can't we can't no yeah, because mostly because we're out of time, and secondly because this will give them an extra week to go and see it. Okay. Well, what I'll say is that women have a particular way of drawing out virtue out of men, of sort of. I mean, that's why you're so holy. Oh gosh, <laughs> there it is. I've been waiting. I've been really Rachel quiet, so much. and I've just been waiting for the perfect time. Behind every good man is a good woman. That's what they say uh, in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's what my mom said to my dad every day. Tom's mom. She's the best. We do love her. <laughs> Nothing. I, th- I feel like woman is perfect for drawing, for motivating man to become who he's called to be. I'll that's say true. that, and that's that's kind of striking at the feminine genius. I think. Um, I think that's a beautiful note to end this podcast on. Maybe leave everyone with the fact that women draw. Out. I'm just kidding. So all the women out there, <laughs> you're welcome, world. But we will, we will, we will continue with this um, next week. Yes. That so everyone right. that's listening that hasn't seen Wonder Woman, go, go see, see Wonder, Wonder, Wonder Woman. It's totally worth it. Just do it. Or if you've only seen it once, you should go see it again. God Bye. bless. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bullman. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.